Alrighty, welcome to another edition of Monday Musings with RC, um, where I tell you a little bit about what's been on my mind, and you meet some of the people that I know and discuss pertinent issues. So in case this is your first time joining, my name is RC Riley. I am a writer and a performer um, and a storyteller. So I am now using my platform to um, bring to the forefront issues that mean a lot to me and have discussions with people about these topics. And today's topic is staying grounded in your faith during this time of a pandemic, of police brutality, of COVID-19. And we're having this discussion with my special guest, Pastor Tennille Power. So thank you, Pastor, for joining us this evening. How are you? I am well. Thank you for inviting me. I am so excited. And congratulations to all of your endeavors. You are, have always been amazing. So I am excited to be part of this amazing adventure with you. Thank you. So just to give people a little bit of background mm -hmm. on you, um, Pastor Tennille Power is the senior pastor at Hazelcrest Community United Methodist Church. That's in Hazelcrest, Illinois. And she's been in ministry well over 20 years serving the African-American community and specifically working with those in need and around trauma. She identifies as a womanist advocate in the sexual assault and domestic violence arenas and is a clinical pastoral counselor specializing in trauma work. Reverend Tennille is a proud mother of three sons and they all live in Chicago. Thank you again for joining us. So today's topic, um, I'm excited to jump in on this one because there is so much going on in the world right now that it is challenging sometimes for us to be moored in something bigger than us. And as people of faith, we know that um, our faith in God is what keeps us grounded. And I have heard from so many friends that through this pandemic, this time of being socially distant, that they've also felt distant from their faith. And I know a lot of people equate um, their relationship with God with their relationship with the physical brick and mortar of the church and with being um, in direct relation with other believers. So seeing them every Sunday, seeing them at Wednesday prayer service, seeing them at Bible study, being able to reach out and hug another person that keeps them close and connected to their faith. And I know for me, I miss, there's one particular usher that when she's on duty, I go in there and I give me a good juicy hug from her. She just makes my whole <laughs> So I know, I hear it and I feel it when people say to me, you know, it's, I can watch it online any time of the day, but I just don't feel it. Um, so I really want to have this discussion around being grounded in our faith yeah. and what that looks like. And if it, if it's a one size fits all, or if there are different ways that we can do that and still be um, the type of Christian that we, we uphold ourselves to, or that we would like ourselves to be. Because I think we're finding these new ways of functioning because we're used to doing things that the church um, leads us to do. And so I know, for my, <laughs> right. So for myself, sometimes I felt like, okay, I know if I were in a church, I'd be um, working with the little kids on Sundays with the youth Bible study. 
And then I'd be working with other youth ministries and doing this and doing that. And then it can feel a little out of place for people who aren't necessarily leaders and who really find their way in the church because they get a lot of direction. And so, you know, we, you and I met from Trinity, United Church of Christ. And um, at Trinity, there's so many different ministries to get involved in. As soon as the person steps in the doors, well, you could sign up and be a part of, you know, 15 different ministries. And now when you're out on your own, you're yeah. flailing, it feels like. And what do we do? And, and what does our faith look like? And how are we supposed to be presenting ourselves without that guidance? So those yeah. are some big questions. These are heavy, heavy topics. <laughs> but they're things that I think about that I discuss with my friends and family. Um, and so I just want to ask you some of those questions today. But to start off, what led you to the ministry? How did you get started? Because this is fairly new that you're a, a senior pastor. Yeah, that's new. Uh, from Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Um, yeah, the appointment in July 1 is just a culmination of work from when I was really young. Um, I didn't have language around that to call it a calling, um, but I love to serve. And uh, my roots are from both um, being in the Catholic Church and the United Church of Christ. And so just being young, being uh, when I was in Catholic school, because in Chicago, in order to be to go to Catholic school, you had to become Catholic. So it's, you know, I was an ecumenical ball of everything, you know, at that point, Um, because my grandfather, was actually a United Methodist pastor. So I'm actually following in his footsteps. Oh, wow. um, nice. Yeah. Yeah. And so when, uh, when I was in Catholic school, I remember being like the first Eucharistic minister, the first girl altar server. And so it was just something about being in church and doing church that I loved and that my heart had a calling for it. Uh, but I had no idea. I was just having fun, just doing what I was doing with my friends. Um, right. And just as life was happening, um, I definitely had an interest in learning and education and so went on to seminary and just really filtered out my call from there um, and then led that led me into the informal ministry. Okay. So how long were you okay. teaching um, Bible study? Because I think that the Bible study classes I've taken with you were, um, there was this lens of, it was from the womanist perspective. And I can tell you, I had never read the Bible the way that you presented the word of God. I was like, oh my gosh, women are not only in the Bible, but like, (laughs) when when they weren't written in the text, you were expounding that text and allowing us to see the women that weren't to be seen. Mm-hmm. And that to me was profound. That shifted a lot of things for me personally. I Amen. grew up, um, my mother was Baptist. My father was Lutheran. Um, and I think it was because we all went to a Lutheran school. You had to be, you know, in a Lutheran church and that sort of thing. Um, and so, but he really got involved in a Lutheran church and now he's a Lutheran pastor. Um, and so for me, I had both those worlds. So I went to a Lutheran school, K through 12, Um, but there were things that they weren't talking about. And I would have all these questions. Then I went to a Baptist church that was part of the Southern Baptist convention or whatever. And they didn't talk about certain things, really felt that, you know, politics shouldn't be in the church, didn't want to talk about a lot of things. And so I had a lot of questions that were unanswered. And then as an adult, 
I meet you in this class talking about <laughs> let's open up this text and, and, and this is the woman behind the text and I'm like what? <laughs> I'm like where have she been all my life? <laughs> so what got you to Amen. I mean obviously you, you're a woman but what led you to want to study the word in that way? Because there are plenty of women mm. preachers who don't have the who don't preach or teach from that lens. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I always had a curiosity about the Bible. Um, even in my younger days, in the Catholic days, I'd be like, well, why do the nuns live there? The priests live there. And why are we not? You know, and I always would lead with that curiosity. And similarly, we get shut down in different spaces um, until at Trinity, where those questions were welcome, you know, and not only just welcome, but fostered and on answered by scholars. You know, Dr. Linda Thomas was my my first exposure to womanist theology, and it has been amazing. You know, really following in her in her footsteps, being a mentee of hers at you know one point, and so it has been. That's what helped me open it, and then having a commitment to teach. You know, with that because right. it's something that you can't just get get and then you just hold it to yourself you know right. it's something that we have to share to set women free you know yeah, exactly and to give them this liberating lens that yeah. we are there and you know if you follow jesus first not paul but follow right. jesus first you know he affirmed women and he loved women and he you know gave you know would empower women you know, even in the patriarchal society that he was born into. And so it, it was important, you know, and continues to be a foundation of my ministry now. Wonderful. So now can you explain to people who may be new to this whole term of womanist theology, what exactly that means? Because some people may be thinking right now, I don't even know what you are talking about. <laughs> Right. <laughs> like, what is that? Right. So Womanist was coined from, uh, it was originated from Alice Walker, um, who does not identify as a Christian, but it, how she defined it um, in the book In Search of, Our, um, Search of Our Mother's Garden, that she defined it as a girl being womanish, you know, a girl walking into her power and her authority and her voice um and in our community it's it's kind of antithetical to a child being your place you know a child to be mm -hmm. seen and not heard and right you know the little fast girl no that she's not being fast she's being you know she's walking in her agency you know right. she's realizing her voice and exactly. so then um scholars uh, some of the first african-american women scholars that were obtaining um demons or phds and mdivs um during the 70s what really pushed the father of Black liberation theology, James Cone, you know, like, hey, there's still some um, barriers to this because where is the woman? Right. In this, you know, when you talk about Black liberation theology, you're more so talking about men, you know, mm -hmm. and their their rightful place in the space. But what about Black women? Right. And so they took ownership, you know, of that, and it has grown, you know, and stretched itself and grown, you know, in in different spaces. Um. So that that's what being a womanist means. That when I go into the text, when I go into a context. I am looking at it as a black woman first, you know, it's not separate. I wasn't born black and then my vagina kind of came later, you know, it's come as a both hand, not an either or. Right. Um, and also, um, 
and the point of departure from being a feminist is that we do embrace the community. And so we do believe that black men should be at the table and our, you know, cause we love our brothers. We love our husbands. We love our partners, you know, our uncles. And we also want to hold them accountable. Exactly. You know, and so in order to do that, they have to be around the table and be in discussion. Right. So it's about the community as a whole being whole. Excellent. So I'm glad you gave that explanation because I know some folk out there are like, what are you talking about? Um, Let me go real quick. <laughs> right. And, and then I know people are like, well, does that mean that they're pushing out the men? But to me, it's ironic that a woman's theology is something that's not just innate when there's so many women in the church. <laughs> I mean, if the black church is full of women. So it makes no mm -hmm. sense to me that people think they can only preach from this perspective, this patriarchal perspective, and then all the women are just going to sit there and just eat it up and be okay with it. But truth be told, we have been for so many long. Many do. Right. Absolutely. If nobody bucks yeah. the system, nobody questions anything and challenges yeah. the status quo, then that's where it stays. So we need more people like you out here. So thank you for being who you are. <laughs> thank God for your calling. And I thank you for your new appointment as senior pastor. I'm excited about the great things that God has in store for you and for everybody at the church. So I will definitely, when the world opens up, um, head in there and in the <laughs> join virtually. So today yes, talking that's about it. staying grounded in this faith. So now we have all these things going on in the world. This, yeah. the, the election itself is a whole nother can of worms, but we have everybody, yeah. um, you know, Black Lives Matter movement in full swing, really putting people on blast in regards to police brutality. Um, COVID-19 has everybody um, a little out of sorts. And one of the big things I want to know is what's the first step in staying grounded in our faith when there's so much up in the air? And quite honestly, a lot of Christians are questioning God. Like, God, why are you allowing this to go on right now? I mean, just real talk. Um, and and yeah. Yeah. what would you say to people who are questioning um, God right now and then how can we discuss ways in which we can practice um, refocusing and, and remaining grounded in our faith? Amen. Yeah. Um, the first thing I would, how I would approach someone um, who's really questioning their faith and questioning God is understanding it's okay to question. Mm -hmm. You know, God is big enough to take your questions um, right. and it's okay. Um, and there may be some things that we never get an answer to, um, but what is our part? You know, because I believe in the world, there's some stuff that's just God's business and I'm not going to know to the other side. Right. And then there are things that I am responsible for here. Um, and during this time, I think I have called it the divine timeout. Uh, mm -hmm. And I call it that because it's like, you know what? Do we need to take a pause in life? You know, I know you're very active in ministry um, at Trinity. And sometimes we can get so busy doing church that we forget who we're doing it for. Right. Uh, and, you know, I would get students all the time and people all the time. Well, I can't come to Bible study because I'm tired. I've been at the church five days a week. And it's like, right. hmm. <laughs> you know, and so what's this balance that we right. need? Right. And so having a divine timeout has made us cause to stop, you know, right. and I think we need to I would empower people to really take this time to reexamine what what is my relationship with God really look like? 
because it should never be tied to a building. Mm-hmm. You know, we we may not be able to physically gather and yeah, Zoom, everybody zoomed out. I get it. You know, even down with church, you know. Right. So let's take a walk down the lake, you know, and find my God there and find mm-hmm. my church there. You know, do I need to engage in meditation practices where I bring God fully into my space where it's just right. me and God, you know? Right. And so how do I re-envision this life? Because prayerfully we won't get it back, right? You know, but what are we doing? Are we being good stewards of our time? You know, or are we so busy aligning 12 Zoom meetings in a day that we're, we're not really doing anything different? We're just not going anywhere, you know? And so now, how do I bring God into this space now? You know, how, how am I intentionally making space for God? You know, because right. now I have a whole lot of time, so time can't really be my issue now, you know, and my faith, my my belief system, you know, how I enact my faith cannot be tied to a building. Right. And so if anything now, it has taught me, okay, I need to think outside of these four walls. And understand that's a modern construct. You know, Jesus said, go out and make disciples, the great commission. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. so are we doing that? You know, are we being intentional about that? You know? When we get our Zoom links for church, are you inviting your friends? I know I know one person who goes literally to seven services every week. And I'm like, that's a lot of Jesus. But, you know, I get it. <laughs> so it you could never have done that before. Right, you know, exactly. and all over. So I'm going to Alfred Street at 730. Right, and then right. I'm going to U at 10. Right, and I'm going right, to Trinity right. at 11. Then I'm going to Friendship West. So right. you visited seven churches in four different states. That's right. amazing. You know, and yeah. it's amazing. Yeah. It's, yeah, you know, and so, okay, and now you're being able to get fed in different ways, because yes. all of them read That's the right. Bible from a different lens and enact ministry in a different lens, you know, mm-hmm. and so let's take it as the gift and not just hold on to the anger of what we're missing versus the gift that we're getting. Now, something you said about the meditation, I have had this discussion with women of faith that blows my mind people have suggested to me that meditation has nothing to do with god that meditation is a uh, is for people who are spiritual but not faith-based i've I've had this discussion with people and it's very interesting to me Mm -hmm. because i'm trying to figure out how they go about meditating on the word of god then if if meditation is not of god how, how are you doing that and so i think because we have this limited scope of of really who God is and we put these limits and we say Mm -hmm. okay God is this and so we have to only be this way and we only connect to God in this way and so anybody that brings something Mm -hmm. outside of that I think people question and kind of give a side eye and I'm one of those people that question everything I have a long list for Jesus when I get there I'm like "Uh uh-uh I gotta write this on my list I gotta ask Jesus why this is happening why that's going down and so I find myself meditating (laughs) so much and meditation doesn't mean I think people often think of um um what's love got to do with it so Mm -hmm. in in the movie you know she was practicing Buddhism and that type of meditation Mm -hmm. but you can literally meditate on the scripture so you can repeat the scripture and focus in on those words you can meditate on one word love jesus god you know (laughs) god's awesome power and center yourself and that's one of the things that i want to discuss with you in terms of being grounded because i have these discussions and sometimes i feel like well people think that's some new age thing 
but mm -hmm. you know to me the new age is every new day so so yeah. now we have a new day to practice something new and i don't believe that god gave us these tools in this this world right. to stay so constricted um and so how do you continue to push people who are set in their minds about for instance meditation yeah. that there's only that, that that's spiritual but it's not faith-based right um, I always direct them to Psalm 4610. Be still mm -hmm. and know that I am God. God, yes, yes. So if you're being still, <laughs> that's part of meditation, you know. And it's funny, I'm a certified yoga instructor. And so I often get pushed back with that and just like, oh, it's not crazy. Yes, it is. You know, God says rejoice with your body. You know, your body is your temple. Mm -hmm. You know, and so that is another way of worship and meditation all at the same time. And so Jesus gave us the blueprint of rest. Jesus would teach, you know, would preach and then go off to a mountain. You know? Right. And That's I, he says, pray. and I fear to say that he was probably quiet because the thing we don't understand about prayer is that prayer is a dialogue, but we treat it as a monologue. Yes. You know. Yes. So I had a situation recently and somebody challenged me because I said, yeah, you know, I've been praying, blah, 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 about this, that, and the other. And they're like, really? So you were doing the talking, but were you doing any listening? Mm -hmm. Did you hear God? Yeah. This, this is a two-way street. So I <laughs> saying that you were praying about this, praying about this, praying about this. When did you hear God? And yeah. I had to really stop and I was like, yeah, it's, a, it's supposed to be a conversation. But if I'm doing all the talking and mm -hmm. I'm never listening and waiting to hear God's response, then, then what is that? It's just me pontificating. Mm hmm Exactly. And God's sitting there like, ah, uh, when you get a moment, <laughs> right. when you breathe, right. you know, then I can talk. Then right. you will hear right. me. <laughs> and when I really thought about it, I was like, the next morning, I was like, ooh, hallelujah, thank you for giving me another day to try this again. Because <laughs> that could have right. been it. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> exactly. Oh, wow. Exactly. So, okay, I have, a, I have a few other questions here. So um, right now, while people are out here um, fighting for justice, I, I feel like my personal calling as a woman of faith is to fight for those who are the least of these, those who are marginalized by the larger society. And so I have also gotten pushback from a lot of different people um, over the years about who I'm fighting for. Um, and for me, that doesn't, it's anybody who's marginalized for me. Mm -hmm. it, it doesn't preclude any group of people. So people who have different physical abilities, um, mental abilities, um, you know, LGBTQ community, black, you know, trans communities in all of that. And mm -hmm. so um, I, I guess I wanted to ask you, how do you find a way to to fight for the least of these and then not grow weary in trying to fight for the so many different marginalized groups. Yeah, yeah. Um, what I do is that I try to get this balance because um, doing justice work is hard work mm -hmm. and it's necessary and it feels like there's never an end right, to exactly. it. Right, um, exactly. And so finding the balance when I laugh and I color and I just – and my mom and I'll just cook, you know, and just right. do something random. Um, 
So on a very simple, concrete level, I try to have a balance. Um, but then also remember, I live a Micah 6-8 ministry. You know, what does God require of you? You know, and that was one of the only requirements in the Bible, you know, and it's to do justice. And it's mm-hmm. like, Lord, what, what am I to do in this circle right now for this? You know, and I may not always be the one carrying the mantle in the front. You know, right. it may be me. Okay, I'm just going to put this little canned good in this bag and give it to this one. I'm done, you know, and so asking and being intentional and discerning what is my role in this moment, you know, to do. And this is what I do. And then I go on to the next moment, you know, but understanding that we're all equal in God's eyes and everyone, you know, and until we get to that point, you know, then the fight continues. It continues. And do you find it challenging to, you probably don't, but I think people maybe on my level do find it challenging to like while they're fighting, maintain their faith in a broader sense. For instance, um, I know I grow so frustrated that my mood will shift and I'll find myself not being as patient or as loving or as kind as I would have been otherwise. And so I feel um, disconnected from, from my faith, what I say that I'm living for and what I'm, so if my purpose is to help someone else, but in my doing so, I have a bad attitude um, that's mm. problematic. And so making sure that we're staying in our faith while fighting for justice is, is such a big deal, but we have to keep reminding ourselves. So what are some of your favorite scriptures that get you through as you're doing this justice work? Honestly, um, it's a story. Uh, I keep Jesus at the focus and not to sound like hyper spiritual, but I keep that human Jesus at the focus. You know, okay. when we think of Palm Sunday, you know, we have that day we have our palms and we're waving our palms. And if people read the story, that's why Bible study is so important. We read the story literally after he got off that donkey, he went to the temple and he turned those tables over. He was angry. He didn't put, he didn't do it nicely. Like, let me turn the table over and I'm sorry. Right. You know, right. it wasn't that kind, humble, sweet moment. It was, I am angry that you have turned my father's house into a den of thieves. And he turned the table over. And so for me, that makes me remember it's okay when I get angry. You know, because this work is hard, you know, and so I look at those human moments of Jesus like, you know what? Okay, I get it. I'm okay in this moment. And do I need to take a break? Because if it's affecting my work, if I'm becoming impatient and I'm becoming and it's becoming hard, do I need to take a step back? for a minute. Mm -hmm. Um, I remember when I was still working full-time in anti-violence work and then was asked to be part of the domestic violence ministry, it was hard initially because that means I was doing this work 24 hours a day. And so I had to take a step back for a couple of years. Like, you know what? Let me breathe. You know, I need to eat. So I got to keep this job, you know, but let me let me take a break. And so then I took a break and then I came back when I had shifted into full-time ministry and like, okay, now I have more energy to do it because okay. I'm not doing it 24 hours a day. Right, right. And so knowing you have human limitations, just like Jesus did, you know, we right. sometimes focus on the divine, right. but we also yeah. got to focus on that human too. Right. That's a good point. I like that. Thank you for that. Cause that kind of, lets me say, okay, all right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's okay to take a break. Um, even there are times when people like I'll post a lot of things on Facebook and then I'm like, I can't anymore. Like it is, it is bothering me. So then I feel like I am 
letting someone down. Well, I didn't post about this. So somebody may have been looking for me to post this or something of that nature. And just remembering that, you know, I'm, I'm human and I get to take a break and not take a break, you know, do those things. So um, that's good for us to hear. Um, so now I had a question that was in my head and then um, it left my head. So I'm reading my notes right now. <laughs> It'll come back. <laughs> yes, right, right. <laughs> it, was, it was a good one. It was a good one. Um, when I grew up, I was telling you that it was an issue of not talking politics in the pulpit. Mm-hmm. Um, what's your take on that? Well, you go to, you went to Trinity and now you pass your own church, but just tell me how you feel about that. Um, Jesus is political. You know, we... Again, it's the lens that you read the Bible with. Um, When we look at the story of the man in the tombs, you know, we focus on him being healed, which is real. You know, when the, you know, I call you legion, we are many. And then Jesus calls them out and throws them into the pigs and then the pigs die. You know, Mm -hmm. he disrupted the economic policies at that time. You know, while we read it as a faith story, and that's true, you know, it is, you know, he is good. He has healed this man who is, and by our terms, probably schizophrenic, you know, he had been cast out because he was the marginalized, you know, he was cast out into, you know, into the, you know, into the cemetery among the bones, you know, and so now he has been free, but you can't stop there. Where, where did those legions go? And why are pigs in the Jewish community where they don't eat pork? You know, oh, they're feeding bad meat to the people. Imagine that, you know, mm, and we're going to see that now, you know. Right. And, and so Jesus is political. His his crucifixion is political. We killed oh, the There's right. a black man killed by the government, you know, mm-hmm. in, in Rome. You know, and so Jesus is political. It's just a matter of the lens that we read these stories and are we able to blend the two and not feel like it's sacrilegious or unsacred to do so. Exactly, right. I think that's the key, especially with the different generations. So I know like my father's a pastor, but there's certain things I can't even discuss with him. I'm like, Dad, let's can we open up this scripture in the Bible and go? I just want you to chat with me. And my dad's like, No, I done did that once, and you went all the way over on left field. I'm like, but Daddy, come on. He's like, I can't know. Right. He's like, no, you didn't you skewed that Bible every which way. I'm like, no. Right. The text is right here. So in the Bible. It's in the Bible. And it's funny because um, my son and I do a lot of Bible study together. And I've never really sugarcoated anything because I feel like um, it, it's some of everything in the Bible. Now, you want to talk about scandal. Exactly. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know if a teenager should be left alone with this book. <laughs> right, right. Need some guidance right. here. So um, wow. a lot of times as adults, when we reread stories that we read as young people. And now to me with, um, with the pandemic, we're able to see so many different pastors reading on the same text. It's very interesting to me. I'm like, oh my gosh, mm-hmm. I didn't even think of things that way. It's so much new information or new ways to see things that it's, it, it makes you think about how you've been functioning. Like you have this one view, especially mm-hmm. of like a specific text. And so I've been very open now to hearing even more of my son's interpretations. 
good. And now I'm like, you know what? Tell me anything that comes to your mind when you read this. Like, what do you think? Like, don't just say something that you think I, I want to hear. Yeah. And so he's been saying things and taking me yeah. and, and and other people who sit with us on Bible study to places, and we're like, whoa, that's wow, nice. like that. So our our youth are thinking, yeah. and they have, uh-huh. you know, they're so intelligent. And now we have this set aside time, and I feel like this is a prime opportunity uh, to help our young people stay grounded in their faith. Um, yeah. Because when this world comes back, I think it's going to be so much going on. People are going to be into everything just to be free. Uh-huh. And for me, it's uh-huh. very important that my son didn't didn't lose anything, you know, nothing went right. to the wayside. Um, That's right. And so this time has really given us that, the ability for me yeah. to hear the word of God from different lenses, but then to also um, open my perspective on hearing his perspective more. Because I think before it's yeah. more of, okay, let's read this text and we're going to work through this text the way that I've been taught to work through the text. And, th- and that's it, mm-hmm. as opposed mm-hmm. to allowing him to look at the text and, and give feedback and, and think of things, yeah. you know, offer like, well, when did this happen? And, you know, what time period was what? this? And yeah. what was happening in the yeah. world? What was the world at that time? And those are questions that I thought were for me. But to come to find Ooh. out that my young person is thinking in terms of, you know, that timeline right. um, has really been fascinating. But because we have this time at home together, we could do that. And it's not just like a one day a week. We could do this each day because before it's like, okay, we're doing so many things in the world. We have right. Wednesday set aside. But now it's like, oh, no, no, no. We have 5 p.m. set aside. That's right. <laughs> not, just not just Wednesday. Um, That's right. right. So for me personally, that's the way to help stay grounded. Um, and what yeah. are some other tools that you found, especially since you have three boys, um, yeah. some tools that you all use and have used over the years to help? Because in this time period, um, you know, a lot of young people going to college, um, back to school or for the first time, I think they really, really, really need to know concretely, these are some practices that have helped me um, stay in touch even when we're so out of touch yeah yeah with my with my sons i have given them a lot of freedom and how Mm -hmm. they define god for themselves um i laid the foundation and then as they get older i'm like now how do you define god because you have to go on your own relationship with god um and we'll have you know they all were they all went to private school and so they have you know the biblical foundations and they get that and so now i'm like okay so what does that mean for you now you know and do you find god in everything because god is in everything and so when you're playing PS4, okay, and we're playing, you know, whatever the weird game is that they play, okay. So where where's God and spirituality in that? You know, we'll have these random discussions. And really, uh, for me and my sons, I focus on, uh, particularly with everything that's going on in the world, um, how it affects them as Black men, you know, and what are the survival tools that they're looking at that and having meaningful discussion. Um, I remember with George Floyd, um, my middle son struggled because he has um, a balance of white male friends and black male friends and mm-hmm. how the reaction to George Floyd's death or murder was very different. Um, right. And I remember him bawling up in a corner and crying 
and did not know he couldn't get words at first you know but it's just mm -hmm. that high level of frustration i'm like then let's take a moment and we're gonna pray and we're gonna talk about this right you know and so that has helped their spiritual grounding that they know they have a safe space right. where they can bring to bear their frustrations their you know their hurt and we're gonna talk about it how do we move forward with that and being good human beings in this world right so now when you're talking about, you're mm -hmm. touching on the um, everything that's going on right now, and there's a lot of people out protesting, and we've been out protesting, um, that's another place where I think people kind of mm -hmm. struggle with the balance between their faith and their fighting for justice. Because when you're out there, and you're so riled up, and you have all these people around you, um, sometimes people can feel like, okay, I know my purpose because I want to see, I want to be on the side of right. Okay, and, and equity mm -hmm. um, and social justice. And then I think sometimes people, um, especially people of faith, can't really articulate how that is wound into their faith. And so when you were talking earlier about, mm -hmm. well, Jesus was political. I think if we don't do that, that biblical study and have that understanding and that faith foundation, then it is hard to articulate later. Like, why are you fighting um, as a person of faith? Where is that? Where's that fight coming from? Is so it's not just about well, I'm black and people black are being hurt, but it's deeper than that. Um, and so I think that oh, yeah. um, that constant being fed the word and and really digging into the word, not just reading the text, um, but uh, studying the word gives you that context, and not only in discussions but just for your own self. So that every day that you do wake up and go outside you understand why you're doing it and can stay, you can still keep your integrity because yeah. I've gotten caught up out there and I'm like, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. This, this might not be the rally I need to be in. Like, <laughs> I get your point, but I might have to just moonwalk out of this one yeah. um, because it just it didn't makes... sit well with my integrity. And I had to talk, my son and I had to talk about one of them. I was like, eh, no. No, <laughs> I get yeah. that calls, but we, not this one. Yeah. And to feel the fact that I felt uncomfortable with having to make that choice was something that didn't sit well with me. I was like, why did I feel uncomfortable? Because I felt like I was going against my people for my God, but that mm. shouldn't be the case. Right. And, and what you were listening to is your discernment. You know, and if something's not feeling right, go with it because that's God speaking to you about that. Um, and there's room at the cross for everybody, you know, and every mantle is not yours to carry. And right. so it's like, yes, I can go out here and I can help board up walls and board up things. You know, am I going to burn down something? I, I don't know. Maybe not today. You know, right, and, right. and where does that leave me? But hey, I understand, you know, the the point of departure has to be, I, you know what, my brother, my sister, I agree. I hear you. I can't do this, but I won't stop you from doing it. And I'm not going to demonize you. Right. From doing right. It. You know, and right. that's where I think as Christians, sometimes we get caught up in this demonization. We can agree to disagree, you know, and right. that's the one thing 
from my friends to my students to my congregants, you know, I'm not going to make you think about your Jesus in a different way. I'm just going to give you another, another lens to look right. at this. But at the end of the day, you have to reconcile what feels good for you, right. you know, what you feel. And this right. is what I feel. This is how I'm going to preach. And this is how I'm going to teach, you know? And right. so we, we have to get out of this demonization, you know, Hey, you know, I'm not feeling this. I'm not fully connecting, you know, but I'm not going to demonize you from doing that. You know, right, and right. so then you walk away and they still do what they do. You know, I'm not going to impede your progress. I just may mm -hmm. not be partner with your progress. Right, right. Now, with all that you're, I know now you started, well, the church existed, but now you're in this new role within the church. You got, mm -hmm. you know, two young adults, well, three young adults. You have all this going on. I honestly am trying to figure out what type of special, special prayer you get up. <laughs> every day to be able to do all this work and balance it how how do you do it inquiring minds want to know yes uh the god of starbucks is amazing um you know i've given over the years i've given myself grace um and understand i don't try to do the superwoman cape you know, and I've had conversations with girlfriends about, you don't have to do everything. Well, I'm a divorced single mother. So sometimes I do, you know, if, if I don't do it, sometimes I may not get done. Um, right. I've given myself grace that, you know, how was I today? There may be weeks that I'm an excellent mother and a horrible teacher, you know, and there may be weeks that I was an okay mama. Okay. He got out and he ate, you know, <laughs> he right, got the right. basics, you know, right. But I was awesome in this role. And so right. I've given myself grace that, okay, what I what I didn't do today, it could roll over till tomorrow. You know, right. my children, I love them. You know, was I home even today? I've been in the office since nine o'clock, you know, and just called, okay, you know, I'm there. Dennis prep. Okay, we'll do it, you know, and giving myself grace. Like, you know what? Nope, didn't get home today. Probably got some laundry waiting for me when I get there. And that's okay. You know, that's okay. You know, and giving myself permission for it to be okay. You know, am I going to be a percent at everything? Nope, not at all. You right. know, I'll try, you know, and right. depending on how my energy is, I may be able to try a hundred percent or you may just get 25% of me today, right. you know, and I've given myself permission to say that's okay. That's good. That's a good practice, especially as women who take on oh, yeah. so much. Oh my goodness. Um, that's, that's the good one to give ourselves grace. Yeah, we have to give, and sometimes it's not even what we take, it's what's been given, you know, and sometimes we can say yes and so, or no, and sometimes we can, you know, mm -hmm. realizing no is a sentence, you know, and something I'm just going to say no, okay. and I, you're not going to get an explanation, it's just no, and that's it, you know, okay. or, you know, hey, these are things that I have to do, and so these are, these are what I carry today, and some things just not going to get done, and it's okay. Right. Okay. Well, tell us some exciting things that you're doing in your new role as pastor that you plan to do. I know everybody wants to hear that. Yeah, it it's funny being appointed during a pandemic because I haven't met everyone yet. You know? Right. <laughs> Wow, how does this work? Um, so really getting settled, um, really excited about planning um, October, which is Domestic Violence Awareness mm -hmm. Month. Um, I plan to have a guest preacher every Sunday, and we are going to preach intentionally about domestic violence. Nice. Um, oh, my God. I've been waiting. 
for something like that. I'm big on sexual violence, um, you know, yes. and domestic violence. So yeah. Yes. So that would be April, and right. then uh, October it will be every week will be DV focused. Um, Bible study will be DV focused. Um, right. Prayerfully weather. Thank you. Yes, come on out. Uh, we have a very large parking lot, so I plan to have a take back the night um, candlelight nice. vigil. Oh my gosh! And so we socially distance very well, you know, and so really oh bringing those things to life. I have a lot of trees, so we're gonna have a whole lot of purple nice. out here. So really looking forward to that. You know, oh my goodness! Um, I okay, good. I've been trying to work with church churches, especially black churches, but we. We steer away from talking about those issues so much um, yeah. or a lot of people really just aren't able to, I mean, because they're going through things themselves, but this is good. So I'm excited. If you need any help, I'm here. That's yeah. like Oh, I, excellent. I'm going to call yeah, you. For sure. <laughs> for sure. did a wonderful... Yeah, Pastor Moss did a wonderful sermon this past Sunday um, around the story of Tamar. So um, there, there was a kickoff there, you know, some very, it's online, you know, one yeah, thing about yeah. virtual church, you yep. can get it. You know? yeah, for sure. So, You'll be up at midnight when you yeah, can't Yeah, he did a wonderful sermon. I have to watch that one. There you go. You can watch church. See that? Another way to get grounded. Get your word exactly. in. Have you got to get it in, you exactly. know. Um so, yeah, it, it's critical, you know, when you have one in three, you know, they're right. in your congregation, the church is not exempt from it. And so, yeah, so that that's some exciting things we we will be working on and happening. Nice, nice. Okay, now before we leave today, I really want to get three tips on how people of faith can stay grounded during this time of turmoil. Yeah. Um, Pass the power's three tips. Um, one, knowing God is big enough to take our anger and our hurt and our frustration and all of that. Um, two, center yourself. Um, meditation is okay, you know, and it's okay to have Jesus and a therapist. Um, because a lot of what we're going through, people are seeing new levels of depression, um, seeing different dynamics in their relationships with their partners, with their children. You know, if you need a therapist, get one. Jesus and therapists go hand in hand. Um, and find your happy when you can and find your happy where you can, you know, give yourself permission to find joy and you're happy wherever, if that means stepping away from the zoom for a second, you know, and going outside and turning on a sprinkler and playing in some water or taking a drive somewhere, you know, if you just need to get in your car, grab your mask, you know, and your hand sanitizer, get in your car. You just got to drive around the block a couple of times and do that, you know, but do find something every day. That keeps you happy. Nice. I like that. So those would be my three. <laughs> nice. Well, thank you. I'm going to type those in thank so people can get it quick and fast and they can practice those three because those were good. I like that. Find your happiness when you can and where you can. I really like that. Well. Yeah, absolutely. Nobody had any um, questions in the comment box today, but that's fine because people will watch it over and again. We did have a few comments. There were people who... Uh, commented on a few of the phrases so they're hanging on to the conversation so as more people tune in and watch the recording they'll get it they'll get it so thank you so much for joining this evening for those of you who um no problem for those of this is your first time watching 
Um, thank you for joining us. This is a great discussion with Pastor Tennille Power um, on how to stay grounded. So we covered a lot of ground in this discussion. Yeah. And I'd like did. to have you we back did. because there were a lot of questions I didn't get to. Sure. Okay, that would be great. Sure, anytime. Let me know. I would, yes. I would love to have you oh, in either yeah. October or April. So that would be good. So I'll be in touch for okay, sure. Okay, yeah, let me know. Okay. Absolutely. Okay, great. Absolutely. So thank you, Pastor Tanil, and thank you to thank everybody you. watching today. Have a good evening, everyone, and I'll see you next week on Monday Music. Thanks again for listening. This episode has been brought to you by Fit Life Give, a Black-owned, queer, and trans-friendly luxury mobile spa. FitLife Give specializes in couples and individual massage, from corporate events to spa and pamper parties all across the Chicagoland area. Massage is a form of fitness, and you need to have a fit-filled life in order to give to others. So book FitLife Give for your next event or personal service. That's fitlifegive.biz.